Glad you're here today. I think today's a special day. Today is the start of Advent. Today is the day that we start the countdown to Christmas. And Advent is not a, it's not a season that we rush by to get where we're going. Like in so much of life, we understand that the journey is as important and sometimes way more important than the destination. Advent is a process. It is a way that we anticipate Christmas. And so in that, we try to relive the story of the Bible. There is the, the end of the Old Testament, and then in most of your Bibles, there's one page or two pages, and there's hundreds of years on that page. Hundreds of years that were called silence before we get to that place that we call the New Testament. When Jesus came, the celebration that we call Christmas. So in that time, Advent is supposed to represent that season, the longing for, the desperation. We need a Savior. And so we resonate with the people who lived at that time saying, things were bad, and it looks like they're getting worse, and then it got worse again, and worser still. We need a Savior. And so they were crying out, longing, pleading, God, how long do we have to wait? And maybe you can resonate with that. Maybe you've got a story that's something like that. How long, God? How long do I have to wait? How long in the middle of this? How long do we have to suffer? How long do we have to see other people suffer? How long? Advent is the anticipation of Jesus. And as an adult, you probably understand something better now than you did when you were a child. Anticipation is sometimes better than the gift. Anticipation makes you every day kind of think, I wonder, I hope, I'm kind of excited. Maybe today, the anticipation becomes all-consuming in some places. I'm longing for this. I'm waiting for this. It's so important to me. So what we do at Advent is we sort of resonate that out of the deep darkness, we, we sense a longing for hope, for peace, for joy, for love. That's what those candles represent. And Christ himself. And Christ himself arises in the mind. This is the way it's supposed to work. First, as a faint glimmer, like a single candle, and then as a steadily increasing light. But the darkness and despair reminds us of our deep need for the light of life. Jesus. I wanted to tell you, remind you about Advent because I think it is, it's a lost tradition. It's one of those things in so many places that goes by. And I know even for my kids, Advent has little doors that open on a calendar with poor chocolate <laughs> behind them. <laughs> and that's what Advent is. It's the countdown, but those days are significant. And we can make them significant 
as we engage in a spiritual process that says, I understand the need. I look all around, I can see the need. We need a Savior. That need hasn't changed. 300 years, 700 years, 2,000 years, the need hasn't changed. We still need a Savior. Our world needs a Savior. And so we long for that. We anticipate that at Christmas. And I bring that to you because I also want to tell you that the need is real. Friday, I'm not sure if if you heard the news. News is different depending on where it happens and who it happens to. And it's okay for me to say that because I'm a white male. (laughs) I'm Anglo-Saxon. And if it's not benefiting me, I'm not supposed to care about it. But this happened in Egypt on Friday. A group of 25 to 30 militants rolled into a small town um, in all-terrain vehicles, five vehicles. It's just like a movie that you see this happening. You can imagine the aerial shot watching these five all-terrain vehicles surround a mosque. And they're, they're, they're in Egypt, in, in, in the North Sinai region, and they come during Friday prayers. And the militants, they, they station themselves all around the mosque specifically the the doors and 12 windows. And then they set off explosives on the building. And as the people tried to escape, they shot them and shot them and kept shooting. And when we hear about a massacre in North America, we're, we're horrified at the outrageousness of it all. On Saturday, they said the death toll had risen to 305 killed, including 27 children, 128 more wounded. We need a Savior. Our world needs transformation. And as I resonate with the way I feel about it, inside, I'm not sure if you have to play with yourself in this way to to try and imagine what I'm thinking. Each one of those people that lives in another country that speaks a different language and practices a religion other than mine, they don't pray to my Jesus. That has absolutely no impact on how my Jesus feels about those people. My Jesus loves those people. And he died for those people. He put himself forward and said, I will be the savior of the world, not just for people who like me. I will offer myself to anyone. And I realize it's not the way I feel about other people. I have a hierarchy of care. And it doesn't start with anyone who holds the image of God. And And I'm kind of embarrassed to say that, but it's the truth. And I pray, God, help me to understand the way you feel about your people, the ones that you love. And it reminds me that there's something that I must do to be involved in this process as well. Each of those is someone who Jesus loved, regardless of how I feel about those people. The people that are at work with you are each people who Jesus loves and cares for and he died for them, regardless of how you feel about those people. 
The family members that you're dreading seeing in a couple of weeks are the ones that Jesus died for, and he loves them. They bear the image of God. In this season, it's easier for me now to see the darkness and say we still need a Savior. So we're looking to tell, to remind, to proclaim, to declare, to tell the story of hope, of peace, of joy, of love, of Christ. That's Advent. That's what we want to do. That's the story that we want to tell about what's going on. Pray with me, please. Kind Father, we sang today that you're good and you're good all the time, and that remains true even though there are horrific things that happen in the world. Some want to charge you with, with everything that goes wrong. It's, it's all your fault. But we recognize that you are good all the time. In the midst of darkness, you remain good. In the midst of darkness, you remain light. And there are so many things that we as people get involved in that are the choices that we make, hatreds that we carry, discriminations that we hold on to, prejudices that we find difficult to release. Lord God, help us to see as you see that we might do as you say, that we might live as you direct. We want to follow the light that's on the path in front of us, even if it's just one small step at a time. Lead us, we pray, Lord Jesus. Help us to see as you see that we might be able to do as you say. Speak to us now that we, you might be able to speak through us later on. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so you can follow along. Today we're going to do something It's a little bit different. And I'll tell you, those of you who might be having to push buttons to follow along, we might be going a little faster today than we normally do. Heads up. Should have told you that before the service, but I didn't, because then you would have quit. <laughs> so we're going to move through something. We're, we're coming to the end of the, this section for now that we've been calling Words to Live By. And we've been hitting this sort of once a month throughout the year, trying to give you a strategy, trying to give you uh, life skills, if you will, for how to live the spiritual life. And so we, we, we're using this one idea to talk about one of the phrases that we use, and eyes up. Eyes up has been a, a strategy and a mentality that we are encouraging, that you have the opportunity to put your eyes wherever you choose to put your eyes. Why not choose eyes up? Let's turn our eyes towards Christ. Let's look to him and follow him. Let's use that kind of idea to resort and refilter the way our day goes, okay? That's the idea. So, <coughs> I remember the day. Not like I used to, but I still remember it, vaguely. I remember the day it took so long it took, took so long to not burn with anger and shame inside and out. I remember the day I came home from a meeting. I remember the day I came home in shock. Cheryl met me at the door. She had not been involved in the meeting. 
And she asked, what happened? And I'd been at a church board meeting. It was not a good time. And out of what seemed like nowhere, they had just decided that my job was done. I was being released. Released immediately. With no chance to say goodbye. No chance to even pack up my stuff. A pastor. Released. Effective. Immediately. How could anyone hear that and not figure that I had been involved in some sort of scandal? How could they do that to me? What was I going to do? Who would ever hire me again after that if I don't protect myself, if I don't come out and tell the whole story and let them know everything that had gone on? What were we going to do? We had just bought a new house seven months ago. And I answered Cheryl. said, I'm done. Effective? Immediately. And then I fell down on the ground and I began sobbing. I was not ready for that day. I didn't see it coming. I didn't know how to respond. I didn't know what to do. I was unprepared. I had no toolbox. I had no list of things to do. And I spent probably five years trying to climb back out of the mental hole that I was in of anger, of disillusionment, forgiveness. And then even longer than that, trying to climb back out of the hole of debt that had just been dropped on us that day. Things are going to come your way that you didn't ask for, that you haven't planned for, that you weren't ready for. And I want you to be more prepared than I was that day. I want you to be ready to fight. Fight for your mind. Because the prison that I was in was a prison I carried with me everywhere I went with everything that I did. And even though we moved, it didn't take away my prison because I carried it with me. I want your mind strong. I want your mind prepared. But I want your mind clothed better than mine was. And we can be all about renewing our mind each and every day. And we can continue to get better and to have a system and a rhythm. But when tragedy hits, our thoughts can and quite frequently do run wild. We hear a bad report. We see something terrible on the news. We get a negative text, Facebook, that's all you got to say there, just Facebook, and suddenly our thoughts spiral out of control. Our blood pressure rises, our fingers clench, we pace, we breathe differently, we can track physiological changes that are going on. I am not what I was five minutes ago. So what do you do? 
It's not hard. It's natural that your thoughts spiral out of control. Your brain sees so many things at that one time that you have a hard time putting them into alignment. And those thoughts come on you and they come quickly and they collapse you. They collapse what you thought was a reasonably stable life, a reasonably stable mindset, a reasonably stable spirituality. They collapse all at once. I like to think of the spiritual life as much as I can as a dance or as a very fluid martial arts. That this is the way that we move. And regardless of what happens, the dance continues. Whatever happens around you, the dance continues. It might not have been the step that you would like, but the thought of simply walking one step at a time, I don't think captures the picture well enough to deal with the fact that sometimes you're just going to have to spin. Sometimes you're going to have to just move and avoid. And so I love the image of the dance. The dance deals with things that are unpredictable, unforeseen, unwanted, and yet it doesn't need to stop the dance. It doesn't need to stop the martial arts from going on. I'd like to, uh, to help you with that. Um, years ago, years ago, after that, years ago, so years after, the bad stuff happened, then I said, I can't let this happen again like that, right? And so I started implementing a strategy. I'll call it a spiritual discipline. It's called what I would call go-to thoughts or speaking life. And it was super handy that... Uh, Toby Mac decided that he was going to copy me and use my language, and it, it's all inspired by me. So if you ever meet Toby, you just say, hey, that Graham guy, he was pretty helpful, wasn't he? But the, the language is so good at what we're doing, so that when I, 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 can, I can come across something, and then I can get into my habit of confessing Scripture the moment I come into contact with bad reports, conflicts, discouragements, temptations, uncomfortable times, whatever it is, and I engage in that practice, go-to thoughts, uh, speaking life, and you can start to do this as well. You can start to speak life. It's just a further implementation. It's a further highlighting of the strategy, the plan, eyes up. That's a strategy that we've said that we're going to employ on an ongoing basis, that when the people around us, they come near us, there's going to be a sense that we lift their eyes up. It is natural, it is normal for us to go eyes down. Look what's wrong. Look what happened. Look what's about to happen. Look what they did. Look what she said. We look down all the time. Eyes up. What is the truth? Tell yourself the truth. And so I began that this habit or this discipline with small issues so that when bigger issues arose, they don't hit me the same way. And let's be honest, okay? It doesn't mean bad things don't happen, and it doesn't mean that bad things don't get to me, okay? But I am in belief that nothing has hit me like that other incident hit me. Never again. And I've had uncomfortable bad things happen since then. Not every day, but, you know, I'm working on that too. Before, I had nowhere for my mind to go. And I just asked questions, like maybe you asked them. What should I do? Why did this happen? What should I do? Why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why did this happen? We love, why did this happen? Why is this happening to me? Why, why, why? And we think that's going to help us. As if at some point we go, oh, I agree. That does seem like a good idea. Now I don't feel bad at all. That's not the way that we work. Okay, so these positive go-to thoughts help me to say, this is true. 
All the stuff down here is true, not denying it. This stuff up here, also true. I got to stop ignoring it and choose where I'm going to spend the time with my eyes. Choose where I'm going to put my mind. So I've learned to diminish that impact, and I want to help you do that. So if you don't have any go-to scriptures, things that connect with you, mean something more to you, that help to reshape your mind, I want to help you do that. I want to arm you so that you got some quick draw, quick draw scripture that comes to your mind, quick draw scripture that you've got written down somewhere so that when something happens, you don't have to say, maybe I should begin to think about starting to, you go, no, boom, I'm ready to go. I've got these things. I've got my thoughts that are ready to give and I can start to speak life over myself. I can start to speak life over someone else. And if you don't have any of those, today's a great day. So in your handout, I, I got a whole bunch of them written down. If you're following online and using the version thing, they're all in there as well. And these are not the right ones. These are just some that made a difference to me. Maybe there's other verses that are something special to you, and I would encourage you, go find them. So I want to show you what I mean, okay? So a good place to start, and I'm saying this is, this is from my perspective, okay? So this might not be you, but from my perspective, a good place to start. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What God starts, he finishes. What he started in me, he is not about to drop me now. He's not done. We're not done. We go together. Not only will he not drop me, but he is partnering with me and providing for me. Philippians 4, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and the glory of Christ Jesus. Anytime the devil attacks, tries to attack your mind, tries to attack your family, tries to attack your, your health, your career, or any area in your life, remind yourself that God will meet and supply every single one of your needs for everything that he has asked you to do. There's a higher thought. There's another place that you can put your mind, and that is the thought that you can choose to go to. Your mind is going to go where it's used to going. It goes to where it's familiar in times of tragedy. It doesn't feel like it has the ability to form a new path, so it goes down what it knows. So set your habits now before you're in the midst of hard, tragic, terrible times so that you can have a path that your mind knows already. You can be ready and you can be comfortable confessing Scripture over your life. You are going to be in a battle for your mind for the rest of your life. It doesn't end until you die, okay? If you take that as bad news, then that's bad news. It's just telling you the truth about life. Your mind is the battleground where so much happens in there. I want you to recognize it, to not be afraid of it, and then realize that the good news is that though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We don't use earthly weapons. So when you think the best way to do this is to respond in a very earthly manner, whether it's tremendously legally, tremendously physically, tremendously verbally, I have to fight in the way of the world, understand that you're fighting a worldly battle. And if the forces of evil are all about trying to kill, steal, kill, and destroy, 
and they have a technique, and you can, you can identify what somebody did to you as evil, if you respond in basically the same way, then you have simply responded with evil. And evil goes back and forth, and it doesn't move you towards good. It doesn't solve the problem. It simply is a way of fighting back. But if you can recognize that the majority of the battle that you're facing is a spiritual battle, then you will behave differently. And you will realize that if I simply do what the superheroes do and I punch back, then all we've done is have a punch fight. And if punching was part of the problem, part of the evil, the violence, the anger, I have simply participated in more violence and more anger. How can I participate on a spiritual level that redefines what the fight looks like? And I don't get caught in to doing exactly what the enemy is trying to get me to do. I recognize that I have a spiritual weapon or weapons. And for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart that deals with me and it deals with the people around me as well. The Word of God is tremendously helpful, preparing us, training us, and defending us in a spiritual battle. The way we think, the way we live matters deeply. It's not one of those things that doesn't really matter if I do. It matters tremendously what you do. Before the Word can come out of your mouth, it's got to be hidden in your heart. Before you can speak it, you have to know it. Before you can release it, you have to have held it. So what do we do? The habits that we want to get into. First of the week, we worship God. You're doing that. You came today. Well done. First of the year, we fast to seek God. Give Him some of that time right at the beginning of the year. What does this year look like for me? First of every financial increase, we worship God with an expression of devotion to Him. Generosity is a gift that we have been given don't misunderstand that, that spirituality and generosity are very deeply tied. We just spent a couple of weeks talking about this, the freedom that generosity can bring. And the reality is it's one of the spiritual weapons that we can fight with because it's, it deals with one of the greatest enemies that we have. Hoarding, holding, not believing, not trusting. As opposed to generosity, trusting, giving. It's a spiritual weapon that you have as well. First of the day, every day, we seek God first. Start your day there with God. Let him shape and focus your mind. And then everything will be added unto us. Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. When we are in battle, we fight with the word, the word of God. Whenever you begin to feel a little bit discouraged or, or disillusioned, what do you do? You jump to your go-to thoughts and you speak life. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. When it feels like you cannot stay on top of all the temptations and they're coming in wave after wave and the intensity seems to be growing, they're just piling up and there feels like there's nothing you can do. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Be involved in serving and using your gifts. They also are spiritual weapons that you have been given that connect you more deeply to God. They help to connect and revitalize and, and increase the, the, the fluid motion that the Spirit has within you. When your family's under attack, what do you say? 
No weapon formed against you will prevail. But as for me, and as for my household, we will serve the Lord. When you think, I can't make it another day. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. When you're not sure what you're going to do, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. If I feel ashamed after what I've done, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When I feel like I failed again and God wants nothing to do with me, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When your marriage is under attack, you draw the sword, and the sword reminds you that love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy and it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes. It always perseveres because love never fails. And now the greatest of these remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. But the greatest of these is the love of my Savior, Jesus Christ, which dwells within me. Not today, devil. Not today. You're not going to rob me of what God has blessed me with. Not today. Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling amongst us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You, dear children, are from God, and you have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The Word of God is Jesus. And the devil is a liar. Jesus is the truth. The devil is a liar. Jesus is the truth. Every time you sin against God, it's because you believe one of the devil's lies. But if you know Jesus, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So whenever the devil tries to lie and say, to, whenever he tries to come to you and he, and, and, and he lies to you, say to him, get behind me. I know God's word. I have been telling myself the truth. I have learned who I am in Christ. I have learned what is true of me because of what Christ has done for me. You are defeated. I am not fighting for victory, devil. I am fighting from victory. You get behind me. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Father, help me be strong when the storm comes. Help me be focused when everything around me is chaos. Lord Jesus, bring me peace but I feel like I can't even stand. I pray that I will still believe when everything seems dark. I pray that you will be that light, even if it is just a candle in the distance, that you will remain light. 
that I might focus my eyes on. I trust you. I believe in you. I believe that you are working all things together for those that love you. Holy Spirit, guide me through when it feels like I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. I know your word is true even when I face hard times. I pray the thoughts of God will lift me above the negative thoughts of this world. I believe, Lord. I believe. When I am weak, help me to believe, Lord. Help me to believe. Your grace is my encouragement. Your grace makes me strong. Your sticking with me regardless gives me confidence to not give up. For my friends that are here today, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would bless them and fill them with confidence, with joy, with hope, with peace, with love, with Christ himself. Empower them to live in this world as your church. Give them direction as they go forward. Help us to come into right relationship with you, Father, I pray. God is for Jesus. Amen. So as we enter Advent and we enter into this Christmas season, it needs to be acknowledged, okay, that it's a stressful relational time. For many people, Christmas is a tremendously difficult time. Not just all the stuff that you got to do, but it's the relationships, it's new proximity, and oh, they just get on my nerves, and whatever. We know that, okay? But as followers of Jesus, what can we do to be ministers of reconciliation? What can we do to bring about reconciliation wherever it is we go? How can we have that in our wake? Whenever we go somewhere, that reconciliation is part of what we are. So before we celebrate the welcoming of Jesus to earth, before we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, who do you need to be in right relationship with? Who needs your forgiveness and your grace? Whom do you need to request forgiveness and grace from? You think of those people. You think of the relationships that are there. And I want to give you a couple of questions to help you work through this, to guide you towards relationship reconciliation, because we are ministers of reconciliation. It's our birthright. It's our calling. It's our gift. It's our gift to share with the world. How can we be about making things right? Part of our relationship with Jesus is always connected to the people that Jesus loves. Even when you don't love those people so much right now. Question number one, if you can think of the relationship in your head. Something went wrong. What happened? When that was happening, what were you thinking of at that time? What were you feeling at that time? Time has passed. What have you been thinking about since? 
Who has been affected by what you have done? In what way? What do you think you need to do to make things right? This would be another time to talk about telling yourself the truth. You're only talking in your own head right now. No one else is hearing what you're saying. Did you answer the questions? Did you answer them truthfully? Any deception that you allow to live in your own life, in your own mind, is a bondage that you will stay in. Be honest with yourself. Let the Holy Spirit of God speak to you in that time and prompt you, what do you need to do to make things right? While they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said to his disciples, take it, eat, this is my body. And then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with my Father in heaven. Don't allow yourself to keep going if you know that there's something that's unresolved. Let's resolve it. Confess. Receive forgiveness. Be made righteous. Then if you've got the lingering stuff that won't go away, feelings of shame or guilt, pick up Romans 8.1 and remember, there is therefore now Therefore means because of everything that we had just talked about in this last chapter. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Once you confess, once you are forgiven, it is removed from you. You may experience freedom. But the things that you are not honest about, you hold on to them. Even as Christ is willing to pick them up and take them from you, you, you you're, you're holding it and saying, but not that one. I'm still mad about that one. I want, I want, to, I want to stay mad. Kind of like being mad. Your freedom comes in the release of those things and the honesty that you have with yourself. Take action. Bring reconciliation. Give forgiveness. Receive forgiveness. Sometimes harder than the giving. Receive the forgiveness that God has given you. In the moment as you see yourself and you're there and, you, and you're well aware of everything that you do wrong and everything that you've blundered, and everything that is shameful about you, just stand there for a moment and don't try to fix it. Don't try to make it all right on your own. Just stand there acknowledging who you are. Naked. No defense. And let God love you. That's the place that He wants to love you. Not when you're working and scurrying. I'm going to make it okay, God. Don't worry. I'll try harder. Just stand there. Accept the love that he has for you in that moment. This is the celebration that we're going to have today of communion.
a recognition that what we don't deserve has been given to us. We did nothing to earn it. And yet it's offered to us for free. Grace, forgiveness, mercy, love, hope, peace, joy. All of these things come as a gift from your heavenly Father through his Son Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. If it is your desire to say, I'm in again, Jesus. I'm recommitting I'm stepping it up again. I'm choosing again to say that this is what I'm in for. This is the life that I want. I want to submit to you. I want to obey you. (laughs) And we've cleared the junk out. Then today is your celebration day. We're going to have communion now. But for those of you who haven't come yet, I'm going to invite you again. Our final into Sunday night of 2017 is tonight. And we're going to have a potluck. But I don't want you to think of it as a potluck. I want you to think of it as communion part two. Communion part one, you're going to take a little piece and a little drink, and you're going to be very quiet and spiritual like we always are. Communion part two, we're going to laugh, and we're going to take a bigger bite of something, and we're going to take a bigger drink of something, and we're going to share those stories together, and we're going to be able to look each other in the face and say, you are the chosen beloved of God. The celebration that we do now is important. But the experience of it will come to life more. And so I want to welcome and invite you, come to into Sunday night tonight and let us have communion, the love feast, together. Let the love of God be shown to you through God's people. Let it wash over you. Be accepted. Be cared for. We're going to go now. We're going to take communion. It's at the back. Take a piece, take a cup, come back to your seats, and we'll partake together. God, thank you for the gift that you have given to us in and through Jesus. Thank you for his life that he willingly gave for me, for us. Thank you for the way that it can transform all that we are. Transform our lives, transform our thoughts, transform our relationships, Holy Spirit, you are free to move in our lives and transform us. It is our desire to be obedient to you and to be used in partnership with you to bring this message of love to the world around us. Jesus, we thank you for the willing sacrifice you gave of your life, of your blood, to establish a new covenant, a covenant which was a promise made by God for us that we had to do nothing to earn, that we had to have no part that goes back to say, I made my payment. A covenant that said, I will give to you because I love you. As we go, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would meet us and by your spirit, we would receive the grace that you desire for us to experience again today. Thank you for what you have done in us, what you are doing through us, and what you will continue to do as we go forward. We are so thankful. We love you, Jesus. Amen. When you are ready, come. Let us then, in confidence, draw near.
to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and grace in our time of need. Be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Ah, it's better when you're here. Better when we're together. As you go, I want to remind you again that you're not just leaving, you're being sent. You are going somewhere on purpose. And as you go, remember that we are Christ-centered, we are spirit-empowered, and we are mission-focused. And that mission that you're going out to be on is for everyone, everywhere, all the time, not somehow locked with inside this building. So when you go, go take the church and be the church somewhere really well other than here.